Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists, welcome to our brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, I'm going to ask you where you've been for the last 15, 16 years, uh, where we've been talking movies, video games, comic books, pop culture with all sorts of people. We talk to filmmakers, we talk to comic book creators, we talk to video game specialists, actors, all sorts of people from the what we call the Geekscape and every now and then we do a Geekscape special where we sit and talk in depth about a brand new film or TV show, usually something that comes out of the worlds of DC, Marvel, Star Wars, a little bit of that. Uh, and I like to sit down with Ian Kerner, who I started Geekscape with way back when, and get his thoughts on the latest Marvel or DC or Star Wars release. And we had a big one this past week. We're talking about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. This is the Black Panther Wakanda Forever special, so just understand there's going to be a lot, lot, lot of spoilers. So if you're listening to this on Spotify or uh, maybe over at Apple Podcasts and you haven't seen Black Panther Wakanda Forever, we're going to spoil it for you almost right off the bat, so please be careful. If you're watching this on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, or any of our video streaming options, Go and uh, watch the film if you haven't already. Again, we are going to spoil it. Uh, this is the last time I'm going to tell you we're going to spoil it. So if you're listening to this and you're still on board and you want to hear what we have to say about Black Panther Wakanda Forever, you're in the right place. Let's go ahead and let's rock it. All right, Geekscapists, let's not waste anybody's time. Let's just get right down to it. We're talking all things Black Panther Wakanda Forever. We're going to be talking a little bit about the structure. So we're going to be explaining that. Uh, a little bit about how uh, characters in this film that are introduced correlate to their comic book versions. Maybe some storylines that we've seen in the comic books that are present in this movie. It's going to be a lot to talk about, so let's just get with it. Here's Ian Kerner. Hey, buddy, how are you? Good, how you doing? Uh, the movie starts off, and it, it just starts running uh we've obviously seen 
the first Black Panther movie, in the interim between that movie and this movie, Marvel had a lot of work to do, and it did cause production issues in Ryan Coogler putting this movie together and Marvel putting this movie together on the timeline. And I think this movie and some other things that have come up uh, kind of messed a little bit with the phase four, phase five, what's, what is, what isn't, uh, in which phase. And we didn't get that locked down until recently that this was the final film in phase four. Um, right. And it really starts off. We've got Shuri trying to make a brand new version of the um, heart-shaped plant from the first movie that, uh, if you remember in the first movie, Geekscapists, um, Killmonger, when he gets the powers of the Black Panther, he accepts the throne. Uh, he destroys all the heart-shaped plants, which were a big part of getting your Black Panther kind of superhuman powers. It's not just the suit. It's the superhuman powers and then being able to connect with your ancestors and inherit the title of Black Panther. Uh, we start this movie, and we know, we, we know that off-screen T'Challa is dying of an illness he's fighting it and shuri is trying to resynthesize a version of this heart-shaped plant that was destroyed by killmonger create a new one so that she can uh have uh so that t'challa can have it and they can bring back powers or maybe bring back some of his superhuman strength and hopefully defeat this illness she fails to do it in time um the queen comes in and says that the brother's gone that, that makes no sense to me Let's talk. Let's talk about that because uh, wow, the movie started off at a sprint. Let's start off with even conceptually. I mean, okay. I think it's worth discussing. I personally thought I love Chadwick Boseman. He was amazing. The role was iconic, but they should have recast. Hmm. Um, from the minute we heard they weren't recasting, I was like, "This is this doesn't make sense." In any other situation, they would have recast. And I think it really came down to, it was both that he was iconic, but I think it really came down to the fact that Ryan Coogler was so tied up in the franchise, he was going to continue doing it. And it was a personal thing for him, you know, because in any other situation, they were cast. Well, Terrence Howard didn't die. He had a contract dispute. Right. Some of these, sure. I mean, where else? You're only, it, you're only looking at Marvel. I mean, right, right, been, right, right. Let, let's talk about some other places where uh, an actor has... Spartacus, the show. Okay. Yes. Cancer died. They recast for the next several seasons. You know, it, it's been done. It's been done. It's been done many times. I don't know, Ian. This is a billion dollar film, that Black Panther film. And, and we've seen him several times in this franchise. But, it, but it, it's not only about the one movie. I know. It's about the end games and seeing him in multiple Marvel films and then right. moving forward. And to the character. Okay. So you, you're, a, you're a proponent of recasting. Knowing the comics, I was okay with Wakanda Forever having like a wider breadth of the Wakanda storylines and allowing Shuri to become Black Panther, which we all predicted. We all knew it was going to happen in this movie. Sure. We did not have to wait for the trailer for it to happen. It's happened in the books. So I went into this film knowing that it was going to be a Shuri-centric film and and that that it was going to buy it was going to buy some time for Marvel to figure out how they were going to uh, go to another. Black Panther later down the road. And I think we answer that by the end of this one. Perhaps. Maybe it's about that. Um, so Shuri in the comics was introduced as sort of badass, had been training one to be Black Panther. You know, the Shuri we got in Black Panther 1 was a very different character. Um, and one of the things we'll, we'll discuss is how much this movie changed her. You know, because ultimately that was that was just it. The movie was aimed at showing her getting to that place. It was more like the Shuri of the comics that started out as that. 
badass in your face Black Panther, you know? So, and I think this movie did do that. Um, I mean, it took a long time. <laughs> took, I, I, as I've been saying, it took a long time for this movie to start. Well, they, they did call it Wakanda Forever. And, and, and are you saying it felt like the movie lasted forever? The movie, uh, I think I'm going to start spouting some unpopular opinions because this movie is coming out of the weekend beloved by a lot of people. And I think there are a lot of really great traits to the movie. I think that I liked the movie. The movie is very long and you feel it. And whether or not those are because of production delays or pivots that happened in the production, I, I'm not sure. But um, the movie has some wonky stuff going on in it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what I would have cut. I, I've spoken to enough people about it that I, I there are some suggestions and, and I want to discuss them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, I've also heard that they did cut a lot of there's a lot of stuff cut out of this movie, even as long as it is. Oh, I'd love to hear some of that later on. But uh, but early on, I think that coming out of the gate, you had to address the Patrick Boson one. I wasn't a proponent of recasting for this film because I think there was a story to tell. And I think they, for the most part, told it regarding Shuri. And again, it buys Marvel some time to whether or not they're talking about the uh, multiverse or they're talking about a different T'Challa later on, which we'll get to. Um, this this opening allowed them to address T'Challa's death and then move on to what I thought was a really great sequence, which was the tribute sequence and then the opening of the Marvel logo. Did you not think, I'm, I'm, I don't know, and I, I think long-time listeners know this, but Jonathan and I try to avoid discussing anything before we, we end up here. So I don't know Jonathan's feelings necessarily. So apparently, you know, every now and then he makes a little comment or something, so I have an idea. But um, I was a little surprised, and I almost want to call it heavy-handed, that they seemingly gave, like, the implication was the child had died from what Chadwick died from. Um, and again, you brought up that she was trying to synthesize the heart-shaped herb to, to cure him, but he had the heart-shaped herb. Like, it didn't, in, in him, it didn't make sense to me that her creating it again to cure him, like, in theory, if that would work, he shouldn't have been sick to begin with. I'll tell you what, Ian, seeing the trailers and seeing that in the trailers they were really painting Namor, the way I thought it was accurate to paint Namor as a, as a villain... Let's introduce him as a villain. Let's really have sure. uh, the, the what I thought at the time was going to be Atlantis. It did not end up being Atlantis. Right. Uh, we'll we'll get into that. that. And um, seeing him as a villain and having an inciting incident for Shuri to be to take on the mantle of Black Panther, I thought Namor and Atlantis was going to be at the center of the demise of T'Challa and that it was going to spur everything. Same here. And, and that made sense to me. It makes sense whether whether or not you want. And I was fine with it happening off off camera, but but is almost irredeemable at that point. Like if if, that, if it landed, that, that's if, the argument that other people have said, it's but almost but, irredeemable if that happens. Oh, I but, don't but know killing Ramond is not irredeemable. Okay, so we're going to get into that, but we're jumping ahead. So we, so you had this opening, and I feel like I think we agree that the, in, the actual inciting incident of the film takes a while to get, and we're talking about the discovery of. Um, the vibranium and the ocean floor and how that kind of uh, goes into Namor's territory and you start to introduce what we thought were going to be Atlanteans but ended up actually uh, being the Tilikanil. The, uh, this is like the Atlantean version of what we got in the Marvel Universe and I think maybe it's because DC beat them to the punch with the Aquaman movie and that would have been a little messy on the big screen to have multiple um, Atlanteans. 
You know, it's an interesting thing. Um, you get into, and I think to some extent we talked about this with Black Adam, about what's really in the pop culture um, consciousness um, versus straight up, you know, longtime comic book fans. And, you know, Aquaman's much more well known because of Super Friends and all that than Namor is. And Namor did have a cartoon in the 60s, but still Aquaman is generally more known. So it happens that Namor predates Aquaman by two years in the comics. Namor's been around since 1939. He's actually the very first. I mean, he predates Captain America. He's in Marvel yeah. Comics number one. You're talking about the Invaders comics. Even before he was a member of the Invaders, right? Invaders is a retroactive creation. Mm -hmm. The Invaders actually wasn't created, I think, 1976. In Geekscape, is what Ian's talking about is a super team that was created in World War II that has Captain America, Bucky, the original Human Torch on it, Namor, and a few of the Howling Commandos, and they fought in World War II. Namor is a part of that team. I would love to see some flashbacks to it, but maybe that's for a later Marvel movie. Right. And, 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 and that's an interesting thing. You know, with the introduction of Namor, and maybe we have time to discuss this or not, but Namor is obviously a big part of Fantastic Four. So, so basically, Namor was around golden age of comic books. Into the Silver Age, there was a, a resurgence because comics sort of died off a bit after World War II and they came back. So he was again around in the Silver Age, still years before his reintroduction in Fantastic Four, at which point he's an amnesiac with a beard and basically like a hobo and... Human Torch looks at him, it's like, oh, he looks familiar, and Human Torch burns off his beard, and it's Namor, who has amnesia and is roaming around New York. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, gets his memory back and immediately is attacking the service world, which is part of his original, his original thing is basically he's the ultimate ecologist, you know, eco-terrorist, I should say. You know, it's humanities destroying the oceans and, you know, the, the ecology under there, and he's fighting for his people. And so he was, he was like kind of considered the very first, you know, Kambaganti hero. You know, he's, he's attacking us, but he's not wrong, you know. But when it came to the Nazis, he did fight against the Nazis. And then sure. he was part of the All Winners Squadron, which is the post-World War II heroes. And that's back in the Golden Age of comics. But uh, so then the Invaders is something that Roy Thomas came up with as, hey, guess what? Well, besides the All Winners Squadron, there was also the Invaders before that. You know, it was the Avengers of World War II. Um, so, you know, and, and what they've built from all of that is that Captain America and Namor have this relationship that goes back so far, um, which has often helped in some of the, the clashes. And it, it, it's odd. I mean, over the many years, over the last 60 years, Namor has been back and forth hero and sort of villain. You know, sometimes he's against the heroes. Sometimes he's not. In fact, even discovering Captain America with the Avengers, the Avengers were fighting Namor and Namor actually throws this piece of ice at them and it's Captain America buried in the ice. <laughs> that's, that's a funny touch. <laughs> yeah, true. Remember when uh, both Namor and uh, in a solo movie and the Hulk, those solo movie properties are both owned by Universal. Remember when the, the last Hulk solo movie with Ed Norton, uh, there was that cut deleted scene the at the end. Of, where... of a Captain America in the ice. Or Captain America the Ice, they should have just had Namor pop up at the end and chuck a piece of ice at the whole yeah, Captain America. <laughs> um, well, one of the things that I noticed right off the bat that uh, made the film movie film feel long for me is something that made me feel, made the first Black Panther feel long for me 
the inciting incident is off screen and it's the death of the king of Wakanda and it's King T'Chaka in Civil War dies before the movie starts in Black Panther and it right. drives the T'Challa character's actions for the first 30-40 minutes of that movie and I kept feeling like wait where's the actual inciting incident which for me was Killmonger throwing him off the cliff and taking the throne of Wakanda here we still have the death of the Black Panther character off screen and Shuri, you know, works through it, but it, it's not until we have the discovery of, uh, of of vibranium in the ocean floor and the infringement on the, uh, I'm just going to keep calling them Atlanteans, the Talakanil. I've been struggling with that, you know, for days now. It's not until we get that sequence that we have an actual inciting incident. And for me, looking back at this movie, it feels a lot like a Namor origin sequence as much as it is Shuri's, you know, or Shuri's kind of origin movie into the Black Panther. This feels like Namor's uh, origin into who we th- would need Namor to be in the comics page, which is that anti-hero. He's very sympathetic when we meet him, but he's not so sympathetic to Lake Bell. Uh, when Lake Bell showed up on that drilling platform, uh, Lake Bell's a noticeable actress. Uh, you didn't think she'd get tossed in a helicopter into the into the no. soup, did you? <laughs> did, did did they give a name for her agent? Because I honestly and and I I was like she's coming back, right? That's a name actress to me. Yeah, um, I was like, is that it for her? <laughs> I was really like seriously expecting her back, like the whole movie. Yeah, uh, and we'll get to uh, the Martin Freeman character who says like she was a friend of his back in the day, you know, and this and that. He lost friends in this incident, but having the uh, Telequinil attack this platform establish themselves as villains it's cool to see uh i want to keep calling her namorina namorita i want yeah and norma wait wait, tell me again amora so so namora predates namorita you probably know my namorita because you will you probably used to read new warriors sure namorita for years was thought to be namora's daughter she was actually her clone but namora goes back to the golden age Oh, great. And that's who we get here in the movie. Yes. And we also get the other, just going to keep saying Atlantean, the other Telekineal warrior is... Atuma. Atuma. And he was great to see in the movie, too. So Namora in the comics, um, except recent comics have done alternate versions of her that were blue, but she was always also white with uh, blonde hair. Um, and had a similar origin, also a mutant, identical to Namor, basically, and that had the winged ankles, was white, and all, all the same abilities. Um, she had an Atlantean um, father and human mother versus Namor having a human father and Atlantean mother. Um, and it always made me go like, so wait a second, they're both mutants just because of this crossbreeding, as you made a comment, it's like, you know, where's the X gene in that? But they just, they're, you know, and, and they always called each other cousin, but they actually weren't blood relatives. So, um, so that was always an interesting odd thing. But Namora was actually around so long, she actually had her own comic in the Golden Age. That's cool. Yeah. And um, later on in the movie, like, we can just jump. To, we don't have to jump to it. But when Namor calls himself a mutant, because he also had this vibranium-infused plant create his well, origin. He, well, this you know, is something his... that frustrates me. 
Yeah, his mother ingested this thing while while he was in Euro, and then he's born and he has the winged feet, and he and then he straight up tells Sherry like, "I'm a mutant," and I'm like, "Wait a minute, the X gene kind of decides that during puberty." You have more of an origin story akin to Blades than anything. Was Blade a mutant? No, Blade. Blade's, sure? mo- Blade's mother was bit while she was in utero, according right. so, to Chris so Christopherson. Well, wait. So, so, so let's talk about this. It's the it's the in utero infusion of a superhuman trait that has created so, both so these you, characters. So your your point is that they're mutates. Uh, you know, yes. going by, by by Marvel comics, it's always the difference with Fantastic Four were mutates, right? Because Daredevil mutate, meaning that something mutated them after they, they were baseline genetically human. Their DNA was mutated to give them abilities versus being born with them. And that was the mm-hmm. distinction. Okay. It always made sense to me that two mutates, you know, Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman having a child, that child was a mutant because he was born with the abilities. Which didn't come out until the X gene manifested itself. Same thing with Miss Marvel. The, but but, but the now, 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 now you're jumping to X gene, which that the idea that there was a specific gene and that was the X gene, that was a later concept. Sure, but it's comics. still a lot bit because of Miss Marvel. It's well, alive here in the MCU. As Bruno says, you have a gene in your body that the bands dealt like respond right. to, and you're a mutant. Here, right. it's a little so, different. Well, well, this begs the question. So Namor, so the other Talanak, I want to say Atlanteans too. Talanakil. Talakanil? Talanakil. I would say Talanakil. Yeah. So the rest of them, they get, let's say, mutated, you know, by, you know, taking the herb. Here's a baby in utero. He comes out with winged feet. And for some reason... When he's in the, he doesn't need, he can, he's a hybrid, so he can breathe water, you know, out of the water or, you know, in the air, so he doesn't turn blue. Um, which I think the blue, you know, is, an, is a nice touch if they're not blue underwater, you know? Um, that's a question of, that they're affected by the air that way. Um, but he's not affected. So what's possible is he was already going to be a mutant. Sure. And then yeah. he's exposed to that. So it works like the Infinity Bands. The plant worked like the Infinity Bands in spurring that gene. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that being said, and and I got to say, I did not have a whole lot of problems with that origin beyond me saying, and Facebook user over there uh, (laughs) agrees with me, yes, if he's a mutant, so is Blade. And Blade is not a mutant. He's a vampire hunter. But um, is that a a problem? No, I actually thought that I I enjoyed Namor in the film for most of it. My, my, My problems with the film aren't Namor problems. They're not Shuri problems. And... As Uncle Cousin Mario says um, over on YouTube, I think you guys are way overlooking the importance of the arc of dealing with grief, of the death of the king, son, brother of the key women in the film. Really disagree with your assessment here. Um, Not overlooking that at all. I actually thought those were some incredible sequences and really powerful. That being said, did they move move the, the film forward or did they kind of just give it something? This is a tough one to say. Um, Shuri has to deal with grief and I get that. And it is holding her back and she has to find a way to wrap her head around it. And I got to say, one of the heroes of the movie is M'Baku. I love it. Bald headed demon had the entire theater laughing. I love M'Baku in this film and I love Shuri in the film. And I love this concept of grief. 
Well, 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 if we're calling out performances, I mean, Ramonda, I mean, incredible. Like, they're, they're, all the performances are great. Um, yeah. What, the, the, what makes the, this right a, away the United Nations scene was like just, she was everything. What makes this so a, amazing? A tough film, and I'm going to compare it to a movie that's going to get y'all screaming at me. Um, when it comes to the personification of grief and the externalization of it required in moving a film forward, I'm going to argue, please don't. I mean, Ian, if you yell at me, you can yell, but I can't hear anybody else. But send me a DM or an email, Jonathan at Geekscape.net. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that the gore per, externalization of grief that we saw in Love and Thunder and his storyline of losing his kid, it, it, it just kind of worked as an externalization I don't feel like this internalization ever externalized in a way that became a plot point in the same way that the, the sword, the necro sword in love and thunder was the one thing that externalized enough to seduce Gore to turn him into a villain. Does that make sense? I was having yeah. trouble with the externalization of the internalizations of the grief in this movie, even though it was, there was so much more of it in this film. You get that? It never really became a plot point. Well, it's this interesting thing, right? They jump a year and I don't know. I mean, Shuri just seems like she's this sullen. I mean, yeah, she's working hard. She's, you know, caught up in it and she's doing what she wants. You know, I don't know. For me, one one of my big problems in the movie, and again, I mean. And importantly, Ian, just really quick. Importantly, she's not taking on the mantle of the Black Panther. Right. Well, and honestly, I almost wish it was more like it was World of Wakanda instead of Wakanda Forever. Like it's okay. There's a lot going on, and I didn't feel that an hour and a half into the movie, it's clear sure is the main character. That wasn't clear the first hour and a half. That's part of why I say it took an hour and a half of the movie to to get going. The inciting incident happens to Namor. Mm-hmm. He's the one who has to create a problem or has to solve a problem. He has to keep vibranium from getting to the surface world he has to keep um you know the surface world from exploiting his people he comes to the he's the one who's pushing the ball forward he comes to wakanda and says hey queen armanda and sherry like you got to help me out here we can actually team up and keep the surface world from exploiting our resources as the only nations of the world that have this but i would like to keep secret and this is going to come to a head and i really need you all to back me up on this and Shuri says no, and I and I have a problem with how every how the the characters would would recede a little anytime they were challenged to move forward, and that was a problem that Namor did pick up on as well. Like when Namor says, "Hey, the problem here can be solved if we get rid of this vibranium, you know, detecting machine." I should kill the the engineer who detected it, so it can't be replicated. Well, 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 okay, I'm glad you're bringing that up. Um. Something that confused still me. Had, but is, what I'm saying, Ian, is he's the one with the goals in this. No, I get that, and I want to speak yeah. to them. But but I'm a little confused by the technological level of the <laughs> talking about. Like, all right, they have vibranium. So since they have vibranium, and mind you, it's only it's 500 years. Black Panther and the Wakandans they go way further back in time than that with vibranium, right? But yeah, but they like. Are we supposed to assume that they have a you know a same level of technology and everything else like they have the rebreathers i mean they're doing this siren call thing which i thought was a really clever idea that they would have that ability because again it's coming out of you know undersea mythology but i don't really know what it is it's all of them together do that like it wasn't specific ones i don't i don't know 
Um, yeah. You know, what, what, what technology do they have? They just, they know specifically, they don't just know that someone's created this device. They know exactly who created this device. Well, they know exactly, but, but, but how are they finding her? They, do they not use Shuri? Cause they're just chasing it? her. Like how, how do they know it was I one person? That why did not? It? It's a weird pump, that, but there's, there's one person that did it. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Someone created technology. So there's one person that did it. We have to kill that person. If we kill that person, it's done. They can't replicate it. I didn't have. How, how does I, that I, file? Yeah, that, uh, that's a problem. Uh, not as big a problem as the multiple times they had a chance to actually kill that person and bluffed and didn't. To me, there were many times especially in captivity where Riri Williams could have been taken out and he could have been the anti-hero bad guy. He is the villain. And he didn't, he did things very sympathetically. I agree. It comes back to my point. I don't think it was really that important. In no, the, the urgency of... of the film start the, I started calling the bluff and the urgency of the film kind of just went. Yeah. Down. I, I didn't buy that. That was a real thing. Like they don't know that they don't have 12 of those devices. Mm-hmm. Like, Killing a scientist. Great. A scientist comes up with something. There are other scientists that understand what that scientist came up with. And once Someone it's, it's already it. there, it exists. That's it. Someone else can make it. Yeah. Yes, she's brilliant, but she's not the only person alive that could do it. Now, the idea that you don't even see, but that she was needed in the battle because she could quickly make the thing because she's made it before. I got that. I appreciated that. It was weird. I didn't see it. But saying she was needed for something well, she made the, the device again, so that it could be a lure. I got that. But I don't buy that the United States government, now that they've seen how to make the thing, can't make it again. That doesn't make Especially sense. Especially if Valentina Allegra de Fontaine is in the middle of all this and is involved. Like, this is becoming... I mean, Julia Louise Dreyfus's character is starting to become shaded very much as a character. And we'll get to the problems with the expansion of the MCU that she and the... Uh, the the Everett Thunder I want to call him Everett Thunderbolt the Everett Ross character introduced because Martin Freeman and Julie Louise Dreyfus's being in this movie does feel more like an expansion of the MCU than anything that's propelling this film forward but having her as a villain very much on top of this detection technology that Riri creates yeah she would immediately do, like replicate it she's cunning she is only looking out for her own best interests and like, why would she not replicate? It's this not device? like Riri made the thing, you know, elsewhere. And like, like, like I mean, well, no, I mean, it's been deployed. Did, it's been yeah, deployed yeah, off of a off of it. a drilling yeah, platform, a military drilling platform. Had deployed it like an excursion platform from the U.S. military had this thing. Mm-hmm. They're not going to replicate it. Like at this point, doesn't make sense. I don't mean to be completely revisionism, but there are things in this movie that I felt were bluffs that were easy to call like killing a Riri Williams was never going to happen and then later on when you have the attack on on Wakanda Namor tries to drown Riri and uh and and Queen Ramona and 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 then says I'll be back in a week I'll be I'll be back in a week like a part of me would rather he say Atlantis is done your queen's dead I'm gonna go take care of the surface world and you can't stop me. And Shuri has to say, I have to stop him. Like, I have to stop him. And then we've got a storyline that 
involves Martin Freeman and not that we need to, I mean, Martin Freeman and Julia Louise Dreyfus's characters, it involves the surface world because they were the beginning of the inciting incident, their infringement on this, on the uh, telecommute. And then Shuri really has a ticking clock that it didn't feel as present in the, you've got a week to resynthesize the herb, become the Black Panther, create an device. <laughs> like you got all the time in the world, kid. I'll give you a one week heads up. Like you're an NFL team preparing for the next game. Like you got time. Um, I would rather Namor say, Hey, I just stomped at Wakanda. I'm headed to the surface world to make sure there's no more of these damn things and that they didn't get replicated. And you can't stop me. If he had been fooled by Riri and uh, if Ramona in, in her dying act had, Ramonda, Ramona. Ramonda. You're right. If Ramonda, do not get those confused now that Kang's showing up. Uh, If Ramonda had, you know, in her dying act, like convinced Namor that, that, yeah, you got us. Goodbye. And Namor had turned his attention to the surface world, and Shuri would have had to like kick into gear to stop him and pull the Wakandans. I think we have ourselves the workings of a better climax for that story but um again it was a bluff like i'll see you in a week and actually we're gonna pull you into the middle of the ocean near a desert not desert and we're gonna have the end of the movie kind of in this weird confusion confusing fashion i I did appreciate that that kicked shuri in gear and yes you know but but again and i know i keep making this joke about how long it takes the movie to start because so then we have this scene fine she takes you know she figures out how to make the herb she takes it you expect her, you know, to see her mother. I mean, you w- wish it could have been Chadwick, but of course they don't have him to do that. Um, to see Killmonger, I thought was interesting, but I kind of, I, I actually really liked it. I really liked that, that cameo. I liked this that idea. Great beat. That, the whole yeah, audience went nuts. Yeah, and, and I actually really liked the idea that because she philosophically is lining up more with him, which is more like the angry, you know, vicious Shuri you got in the comics of like, she's not messing around. You know, mm-hmm. and um, but and I know my wife next to me was like, OK, like at this point, she's like, well, how much longer is this movie? Because basically it's like, yeah, this is now the beginning of her real arc. Yeah. Before she was I mean, it didn't make sense earlier with Namor when she said she wants to burn the world. It's like the world didn't kill him. Yeah. If he Which had gone again. through some prejudice or something like that, like show me why she's angry. Other than the general, I'm angry. My brother died. But he didn't die through any injustice. Something right. bad wasn't done to him. He died from, I mean, they didn't say it was cancer, but in essence, right? So that didn't, you know, that motivation, that, that mindset didn't make sense. Now it makes sense because Namor has basically killed Ramonda. That makes sense. But I was like, that was pretty late in the movie to get to, to then so quickly have it just go, oh, you know what? Never mind. I realized my brother wouldn't want this. My mother wouldn't want this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come to my senses. Like, I was like, well, that happened quick. And that's her real arc, right? Yeah. It, so it's I just some feel like, lumpy stuff in the film. Yeah, I feel like that, that they, there, was, there was a way to have done that from the get-go early on. I really feel that if, if, the, if Namor's people or Namor himself had actually killed... Honestly, I would find it with Namor's people, not totally villainize Namor. Him doing it directly or doing it through some misunderstanding... Something like that, so there was a way to not make him the complete villain that no one would ever forgive, but that it had been his fault and sure he's seeing it as his fault. And from the get-go of the movie, I think that would have driven the movie forward a lot better. 
Yeah, have Atuma do it and have Namor sure. furious that he's given them that level of visibility. He's yeah. this is a reclusive society. Yeah. And suddenly, I, I, like, I think that would have worked the... much, much better and would have really driven home the conflict. You know, now, would that have necessitated Wakanda being more aggressive early on? I guess so, yes, you know? But there were several storylines that could have used to, they could have been helped by being more aggressive. I agree. Over. I, that, I, um, I definitely can think I, that. Can I give straight up props though for the justification of the na- of the name Namor? It was fun. So do, <laughs> you, do you know the um, the original um, origin of that? Bill Everett, who, Bill Everett, who created Namor, was looking to create something noble, and he's trying to think of different things. It's Roman backwards because he thought the idea oh, okay. of Romans were that was noble. So, of course, this Latin language shows up, and now we're in 2022, and saying no amor is like, uh, uh, is, is turned into Namor. I thought that made a lot of sense. I thought it was really cool. I didn't I, think it was cute. I, I, I really thought it was that. great. I really liked that. Um, I, going in, I didn't actually realize, um, I wasn't that familiar with the Aztec mythology. I didn't realize that that was, you know, Talakan, all that is real you know, in, mm-hmm. in Aztec mythology. So I, honestly, I love it. I mean, so... Yeah, the flying we, serpent we, stuff, it's well, all real. It's, yeah, it's all well, there. Well, we started talking about the Aquaman before and then we went off on a tangent. And I want to come back to that and say, you know, yeah, the bottom line is, is Aquaman, among a lot of other things, Atlantis has been done and done a lot. You know? Um, you know, you could say it's woke to have brought in a, a new culture and all that, but... It's it's a new culture. It's an existing mythology. I think it was really smart to do that. I think and it's it was really great. cool. I think the the look is cool with that. I really considering like considering they won Even, an Oscar for Black Panther one in that category of costumes in the art direction to have an ability to do that all over again with this brand yeah. new movie. It was awesome. The handling of that was great. And now we've got uh, the, the uh, one thing I will say though is if. Is if uh, you're a, a priest and you're in your dying words, you're working for a bunch of uh, slavers, and you call someone else a demon that's going to hell? Like, come on, man! Right. Like you kidding me? Like, like they're burning the? You know, they show up and they start burning this this place where a bunch of slavers are working, and they buried Namor's mom on land, and the priest in his dying words is like, "You're going to hell. You're a devil." I'm like. Dude, you're a priest working for a bunch of slavers. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get out of here, dude. Like, you know what? Just Namor can do whatever he wants right now. Y'all are a bunch of jerks. <laughs> you colonizing bastards. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm going to eat some more of this magic plant. <laughs> I was pissed. I was like, dude, you have no right to be calling him anything, dude. You're working hey. for a bunch of slavers. I, listen, I, I love that change. I think the only thing that really bothered me about it is, you know, in the comics, Atlantean society, I mean, it's Atlantis, it's ancient. They're around a really long time, you know, and not that five years isn't a long time, but relatively speaking, it isn't. And that sort of necessitated this whole thing of like, so Namor was with them from the get-go. I do like this notion of that, oh, you know, as far as they're concerned, he's a god, and, you know, he's not dying. And I mean, in the comics, Namor is very old. He's not aging like other people, but he's not, you know, 500 years old, you know? Um, it's an interesting idea. By the way, so we talked about Namora briefly. Well, the implication is Namora is his child, right? Like when he says my child, I was never clear if that, that was a literal thing or just because he's like their God, you know? But Namora 
even though she's blue, had the ears, and they don't really come out and say it, but when the sonic thing is going, she swims through it when everyone else has stopped. Hmm. So she seemingly is has more ability than the typical Tlaconel, you know? Did, that is did a you cool... pick up on that? Uh, I didn't, and I think that's a really cool detail, and I can't wait to see Namor again, mainly because they made him so sympathetic early in the film, which I don't think was a mistake. I think it took me a while to click click into this iteration of Namor. I think it was a the great I think it was a great call to make him sympathetic because he's we're ultimately going to be seeing him as a hero in some versions here in the in the MCU. Um, but he was not Imperious Rex Namor at the beginning of this movie. At the end of this movie, when he looks up and realizes how he's been defeated and how where how his nation kind of hang like hangs on a little bit of a knife blade here going either way i was really like this is our namor this is the namor that will stop at nothing to protect his people this is the guy who says imperious rex which i didn't totally understand when he said it i still cheered by the way i've never understood it right you never says what is it really supposed to mean why would he say Imperius Rex? I don't know. Well, I've version. never understood why that was a battle call. Never. Ye- all these years, I've never understood it. <laughs> I would like to said. see uh, maybe a flashback to uh, the 1800s. And there's yeah. a sinking ship. And somewhere in there, it says Imperius Rex. And it becomes personal sure. for him. And he just carries on this Imperius Rex thing. Yes. Because who knows? But when he says Imperius Rex, but I cheered. I will tell Did you. you Yes, well, yeah, absolutely. This what I, I really like though. I really like that conversation that he has with Namor discussing how the you know the Wakandans like the, the movie did a great job of setting up that the rest of wor- the world is angry and turning on them like we want vibranium you have it. We need it. It's 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 it's, it's the callback to claw. The like this is a thing that's really vital to have and you're hoarding it and you know throughout history this is a reason to go to war. Um, so the idea that politically they're going to end up being allies and need to work together, you know, even in the comics, like there've been points where Namor has allied with Dr. Doom, mm-hmm. you know, and to protect his people and yeah, the flooding of thing. Wakanda has been done a few times in the comics, especially mm-hmm. most recently, they had a flooding of Wakanda storyline that was pretty hardcore and led to, uh, was that part of the miniseries? Was, uh, what was well, that well, storyline? Well, it's well, in the last 20 still- years. So the, um, you know, when the Phoenix comes with the X-Men, Namor was an X-Men and he became one of the holds of the Phoenix force. And he, you know, in, in unable to control all that, he lashed out and basically destroyed Wakanda. So yeah. flooded it, whatever. So, so that's led to these major issues between them. And then after that, you have incursions and things. And so Namor and Black Panther just not being okay. And I think they will continue continue to not be okay uh did a part of you start to think that sherry was going to take the mantle of romantic interest from sue storm when it became time to like i mean obviously it wasn't going to work plot wise but uh when you know she gladly went to explore this kingdom he, uh, I, I thought it was interesting it. they did that but I, I didn't think for a second they were going there i love that they were becoming friends and then i love that not only were they becoming friends, but in the same movie, she was going to have to distance herself from him and then ultimately start fighting him. And I thought that was a great ending yeah. on that character level. Um, can we talk a little bit about the expansion of the MCU on this stuff? Because sure. we have Martin Freeman's character in here. We have Julia Louise Dreyfus's Valentina well, Allegra well, that well, we're going to see before, later on. Before we go too deep in that, let, let me say that. So Everett K. Ross is a character um, from the Black Panther comics. And he was a really important character. 
um, who was Namor's That's ally. That's Freeman's character. Yes, yes. Yeah. And ends up to a point like he starts off as a low-level CIA agent, but he ends up working for Wakanda. So I thought it was interesting. They, they, that, it's basically what they did here, right? And for me, it was bittersweet because I'm like, doing that without, first without T'Challa, and then even, so fine, it, it gets established with Ramonda, and then she's gone too. It's like, who's he working with? Who's the relationship with? I guess Okoye, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you see my point? Cool to see. Yeah, uh, so Okoye gets reestablished, and I thought the Okoye storyline was awesome. Um, she's a lot of fun. She's fun to watch in this she's film. Uh, yeah. I mean, when M'Baku comes in eating the damn carrot, because remember, he's a vegan. Uh, <laughs> that whole scene is amazing. And seeing her stripped of her position was great, that storyline, and then seeing her having to reemerge and saving people during the uh, the Atlantean invasion of Wakanda was great. Well, the Midnight Angels uh, was cool, too. I, a friend of mine asked me, that seemed weird. I was like, well, no, that's right out of the comics. And that, and that, and that armor that. was... It's, it's armor that they developed in the comics that, you know, Dora Milaje wear. I mean, there's a whole that's thing the with Dora Milaje. Yeah, there's a whole Dora Milaje uprising, you know, sort of civil war thing that goes on in the comics, and that sort of comes out of that, but, I mean... It's, it's a different thing. You're not going to do that it's, here. It was cool to see the weird. armor, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Likewise, by the way, you get, um, you know, I think the romance that was looked for in Black Panther 1 between, um, what what's the name? Uh, oh, 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 is it, oh, You're talking about Lupita Leongo's? No, no, no. I'm talking about... Um, oh, two of the soldiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dora Milaje. Um I'm blanking on the yep. names, but that's out of the comics. It's a big plot point in the comics. Io so. and Anika. Yes. The two characters are Io and Anika. So, yes, Io, yeah. Um, I do want to talk about Riri Williams, mainly because I think she was really close to who she is in the comics, and I thought that was... Really close. Honestly, a lot more to her here than I expected when I heard she was going to be introduced in this. You thought there was going to be less of her? I did. I, I just thought it would be a little a little thing. You know, I didn't expect... I didn't expect... It would be, she'd be such a prominent part of the movie. I didn't expect that she'd fully realize the Ironheart armor in the movie. I thought it was really weird that they went so far as to do that. And then, oh, you can't keep it. It's like, so then what? <laughs> so she made it. There it is. It's fully visually. It's everything. It's the Ironheart armor. Never mind. Start over somewhere else. She's got to start over somewhere else. Uh, it okay. was, Heidi and, and, was so was, into that character. I was that bothered, character's great. And, but not a freaking word about Tony Stark bothered me. Well, we're going to get, I mean, I just turned to Heidi. I said, well, there's a, there's the MCU's Tony Stark for the next bit moving forward. Yes. But in the comics, it's literally, she uses an old Iron Man armor as the basis. And then she's actually like, Tony actually comes and, you know, and approves of her so that when he's in the coma um, after the second civil war, you know, she takes over, you know, but that's important. And and she has the Uh, Tony Stark AI. Which, by the way, would be a great way to get Downey to come back in and not do anything physical. Yeah, I, I, you get to see her college dorm room, which was great. But uh, it would have been nice to see her have a little bit of Tony Stark fandom uh, to explain how she's going to make this armor. We're we're going to see tons of that armor later on. But uh, um, the thing I want to talk to you about the. Uh, it, Thun- the, it's not Thunderbolt Ross's kid, Martin Freeman's character. No, you know, it's funny um, when you say that, like. I, I, that's a, a great place that they could make a connection that they had never done in the comics about there being any because we're going to see Thunderbolt Ross 
in we're probably gonna see Thunderbolt Ross in um hey, Secret Invasion, correct? But or we're gonna see him is isn't it weird that they recast that character who died? Okay, wait. Tell me when Thunderbolt Ross died in the in well, the in the he, films. He, well, he didn't. The oh, the actor, actor died. died. Oh, you're making a point about recasting Black Panther. I see where you don't. It's not the same. Like we're talking about a. I love William Hurt. But, I understand uh, that Chadwick and the character and and the you know, the performance, all of it was iconic. Yeah. I'm just saying that. You know, there's a. It's just a they different could have, level. They could have recast. Nobody, nobody told you to, like they did recast Thunderbolt Ross. We're gonna get Indiana. And we're getting Jones Harrison Ford. We're getting Harrison Ford. Uh, there's no relation between the two characters, though, right? There never has Everett, been. That doesn't Ross. mean they won't say there is now. Right. Uh, we're gonna see. And mind you, even in Civil War, there's no, there's no recognized relation. Um. Well, well, where are we gonna see him? That's that's a good question. Uh, we'll definitely see him in Thunderbolts. Because we're going to see her there too. We're going to see yeah. Julia Louis Dreyfus's um, character. And um, didn't they say we're going to see him before Thunderbolts? Um, Maybe in Secret Invasion. No, or... no, not Secret Invasion. The Armor, um, the Armor Wars movies later. I think Armor Wars Captain will be America after Thunderbolts. I think Captain America Four he's going to be in. And then we're talking about Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt. Ross or Everett Ross. Thunderbolt Ross. Then I think they have to link them because there's two Rosses running around now. I think it'd be be interesting to link them, wouldn't it? By the way, you know what makes it would make it really interesting? Because I think clearly Valentina is forming the Thunderbolts, right? And clearly what they're going to do is they're going to connect that with Thunderbolt Ross, even though in the comics, his Red Hulk isn't part of Thunderbolts to way later. Um, Wouldn't it be interesting if he actually is his father, if Ross is Betty's brother, if Everett Ross is Betty's brother, and it's, oh, so that would mean that Thunderbolt Ross is Valentina's former father-in-law. Yeah, I mean, that already is how, yeah, if they, if they make Thunderbolt Everett's dad, then yeah, Valentina's the former daughter-in-law, and now they got to butt heads and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, there, I don't think... There's I don't nothing think in the MCU yet here. that precludes that. I don't think, yeah, I, um, did the inclusion of that those characters kind of add to this this running time on the film that felt a little long. I didn't. I, I don't see it, how, but I I, I I I did like that. You did um, yeah. mostly because Everett Ross is so part of Black Panther. Mm-hmm. I liked it for that, and I mean, look, you know, they had to get their intelligence somewhere. You know, um, I thought I thought sure. there were some good touches. Also, then, I mean, as it was the the U.S. government's involvement. It, I don't want to say it was forced, but without that, it was too coincidental. I liked that. It was, oh, yeah, she had already found the thing and tested him and all that. I thought that worked. I thought those were some good beats. Yes, it's already I'm, a long movie, but I don't think I would have eliminated them. I mean, listen, the U.S. government sort of Hold on. Ian. I'm going to argue that because they included it to the extent they included it, having an ending that included Namor going after the surface world, them in particular, and having... Uh, someone in Shuri whose mother did not agree with them, Ramonda, create her own path by defending those people, like that would have pushed everything forward a little better than I thought we got. But again, there's so many spinning plates here. I think what they made was a remarkable movie. Am I a fan of it? Um, I, I'm a fan of a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, it's an interesting I, 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 movie. I'm conflicted. You, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah. It, it, look, I mean, first of all, it's a beautiful movie. It's really well shot. Um, you know, he's a great director. 
you know? Well, who um, uses female yeah. DPs in these films? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it was, it was by the way, that's a thing, and just like the first movie, like, women are at the forefront of this movie, you know, and, and, and it's a great thing, you know, they really are, they're almost all the main characters, arguably all the main characters are female. And diverse. You know, um, yes, and diverse, but, you know, I mean, you know, I guess, and then secondary, you have Namor, you have M'Baku, you have Ever K. Ross, you know, but, I mean, and everyone else is female. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, and, and I mean, it was great. Um, as I said, I, I think that I wonder if on a second viewing, I won't enjoy it more. Well, in second viewing, and maybe by the time you do that second viewing, you'll know more about what's going on here with the MCU. How do you see these things uh, moving on? We do have a tag. This is where I'm going to remind everybody about the spoilers. The tag is T'Challa had a child, and now we have a T'Challa Jr., which is, uh, you know, the, actually, I loved that. Happy. And that, that yeah. because of the blip that really worked for me. So, you know, in doing the math, it's that, yeah, he impregnated her before the blip. So that kid is something like six or seven, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's something. We've, we've, we've got a T'Challa moving forward. Now we've um, got a T'Challa. And, and, and so that's interesting because, you know, obviously, if you're waiting for that kid to age, it's a long time away. But it, this is comic book based movies. There's ways but for a that franchise kid to age. that's 50 years yeah, old, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. But, but I'm saying that, that there are ways to, you know, I mean, how many times have the X Men done it, right? There are ways right. to, to make it so that that kid ends up, you know, somewhere and goes through something and comes back older. And now he's T'Challa the Black Panther, you know? Yeah. Sure. So th- that's doable. I mean, um, we're getting stature, stature in the next Am- Anna Wasp. I was, I, I was about to say, we, we, we keep getting the, you know, and, and we've got Ironheart here. So, you know, the champions team that we've been talking about through several specials now is getting built up more and more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, Ms. Marvel, um, we have Eli Bradley, Hawkeye. we have the, the young Hawkeye. So, yeah. Well, Ian, what, what's next? I want Amadeus I mean, obviously. Too. <laughs> I do want to, yeah, the, the, and, a Hulk and, version of Amadeus Cho would be great. Yeah, and then and then and then the real obvious one is an MCU Miles. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah. see how they pull that one off, and I think it, depending on Tom Holland's contract, that might be the next notice, like big step, is to bring in a Miles that they can use for a couple films. Um, Ian, I we've got Secret both. Invasion next. I would love both too because they have such a cool relationship. When, when but... is Secret Invasion supposed to drop? <laughs> I think Secret Invasion's in March. So obviously the next thing we have is Ant-Man and Wasp, Quantumania, but then we got uh, the Secret Invasion, which we forgot about in the last special. We were like, what's next? And it was Secret right. Invasion on the DC Plus, on the Disney Plus. <laughs> I call it DC Plus. <laughs> James Gunn, you can call it DC Plus. Um, so um, where do we see some of these characters next? Obviously in the uh, Avengers films, the big, the big tent pole. Well, well, that, that, well that, that is movies. the question. I think it's, I'd be really surprised to not get some of the government stuff, like maybe um, Valentin de la Fontaine, you know, in Secret Invasion. Um, I think it remains to be seen with Namor and, and you know, and are we going to see Sherry's Black Panther more? You know, to me, that's a question mark. Because, you know, there were so many reports of her being difficult on, on this. So I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, Namor is definitely coming back. The question yeah, is where. Um, you know, is Fantastic it Fantastic Four? four? <laughs> Maybe, you know. Um, or is it before then? 
I mean, it's easy to just say that all of them are going to be in this, you know, Avengers King Dynasty and Avengers yeah. the, the, well, you, the, the Secret War and all this. But, uh, you, you know, you know, we're seeing these characters parsed out in the Disney Plus series, too. Yeah. Well, you know, there's supposed to be a World of Wakanda series also, like a Koya-centric series. But hmm. I don't think that's really got I don't, it, was, it was reported a while ago, but I don't think it much has happened with that. Okay, so next we're getting Quantumania, then we're getting Secret Invasion. What, what, we're also getting a Christmas special from the Guardians of the Galaxy, even getting before Guardians all Christmas that. Special. Yeah. We're getting that and, in like a week, Ian. And, and after Werewolf by Night, I'm excited. Like that, that you know, the Werewolf by Night was so good. So I'm excited yeah. for that. Um, and then there's what, what's a, after um, Quantumania, what's the next movie? Well, the the Blade film hasn't been slotted, so there's been stories there, but we're oh, going to no. get the uh, Guardians the 3. That's right. In early May, Guardians 3. Is it May? And or... obviously, well, that May, that, that first weekend of May has always been the Oh, yeah, it's February, then May. In the big Marvel tentpole, yeah. And then, <laughs> is Captain, I, why did I think there was something in July, too? I, I, um, I, I don't then I know, think the next but... thing is until is until like the following March in 2024. Well, they're shooting a lot of Loki. They're shooting a lot of these Disney Plus. Well, that, 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 that's series. I'm, I'm thinking about I movies. Know. Do you want to give it a Do you want to give it a Google real quick, Ian, while we talk about this? Because the rumors, yeah. uh, what well, you know, while you're googling, Ian, let's talk about some of the stuff. Like MCU Phase Four, a Phase Five, right? Uh, see, it's Phase Five time, baby. Um, are the things that you'd heard that they cut from this film, Ian? What were they? I heard that they did major subplots um, for M'Baku and for Makoye that got cut out. Okay. Um, and, and, and granted, I, I don't know how far they went with it. I mean, obviously, Okoye, they did a little bit with her being, you know, called, you know, excommunicated, whatever. Like, there was more they could have done there, you know? And likewise, M'Baku, there's clearly more they could have done, but, you know. Um, sure. Um, now talk oh, us we, we, we forgot about the Marvels. The Marvels is is next June or July? Is that um, right, Ian? I'm saying Guardians July, of May, July 2023. Okay, that's going to be a big one. Yeah. Uh, they're all big ones, Ian. Yeah, Guardians um, is May. Yeah. So we so got yeah. the Secret Invasions. We got the Quantum Manias. We got all sorts of stuff. I don't expect too many of these characters to show up in those. Yeah. And then beyond. Captain America: New World Order is May of 2024. All right. All right, and somewhere in there, we're followed, gonna followed by Thunderbolts. Stuff. All right. Well, Ian, it's been a pleasure talking about this with you. I think we have similar feelings about this movie. I think so, uh, a movie, a movie that we um, enjoyed, but uh, I think I think the tribute stuff was incredible. That opening gave you chills. Yep. There were tears in the theater. I teared up several times, but I didn't full on ball like I thought I would. You're a monster. Wow. Well. That's true. <laughs> You're a monster. Um, Ian, I guess we're doing this again after Thanksgiving if we're talking Guardians special. Like this yeah, Guardians versus that. special. That's probably a good idea. And, <laughs> I think that's the next time you're, you're hearing from us. Okay. Uh, Geekscape is there's tons of stuff coming up um, because of LA Comic Con. We have some incredible panels. Uh, LA Comic Con is nice enough to partner with us and want to do some panels. It's on my birthday. Well, come on down, Ian, because it's the day before my birthday, too. Because um, yours is the third and mine's the fifth. So come on down to LA Comic Con, especially if you want to see me talk to people like 
LeVar Burton on the main stage. I promise there won't be a proposal. That's already happened. But uh, we got some main stage panels happening that weekend that I'll be moderating as well as some cool stuff that Geekscape is presenting. Our friend Diallo Jackson, who you just had dinner with, is hosting a um, uh, Black Futurism panel with some amazing people on it. And there's some other Geekscapists who are doing some amazing panels. I'll be doing just a Geekscape live and some other panels along with uh, some friends, but it's going to be a great weekend. And uh, Ian, I think for your birthday, you should come down and like celebrate with us. Uh, no promises. <laughs> he's a popular man. And uh, because he's a popular man, we're very grateful that he's here to join us here on Geekscape. So Ian, thank you for being a part of this. Thanks for uh, talking Black Panther Wakanda forever with us. Sure. Um, Geekscape is whatever opinions you've got on the movie. They're correct. We support you and you can leave them uh, for us on all of our social media from Instagram to Twitter to Twitch. We've got the Facebook group Geekscape forever. We've got the Facebook page. It has like 27,000 people following it for Geekscape. And of course you can email me, Jonathan geekscape.net if you'd like. Uh, But we'd love for you to subscribe to Geekscape, share it with your friends and be like, Hey, these nerds really love talking about comics. And I know you do too. So maybe you'll like this podcast. Just hit that little share button and send it to them Uh, until next time. I remember when you used to do the weekly Geekscape and I'd be on and we'd talk about comics. Yeah, you want to come back for one or two? Maybe. That might be fun. We've got this fun charity happening on uh, December 9th. The whole Geekscape network is doing an all-day charity for Big Brothers Big Sisters. It's our third year doing that. Uh, We've been hitting our financial goal every year with that stuff. Um, And we'll find a place uh, to read comics, especially since like I've been reading a ton of them. I texted you that Mark Silvestri, Batman, Joker, Daily Duos. It's a lot of fun. That was a cool Batman book. Uh, And it's not easy for me to read a DC comic because I just love my Marvel, but that one was great. I read both. And a lot Uh, of indies. You read everything. I read a lot. That's why you're here. You are the... um, What did we call you? The encyclopedic knowledge of comics. Is that true? I <laughs> love you, man. We'll see you on the next Geekscape. Sounds good. Bye, everybody. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.